Welcome to What Is It About the Weather, the weekly podcast where we explore all the ways weather touches our lives, but not really the weather so much. I'm your host, Mark Jelanek. This week's main topic, now can I get my eclipse forecast? All right, we'll get to that. I promise. I promise. But as always, let me say I hope you've had an enjoyable week since we last talked. And then in some way, something new, something different, something fun maybe you had a weather intertwined experience learned a little something who knows mine a lot of little things a lot of big things it was interesting this week there are a lot of tropical cyclone stories kind of a surprise little spin up near the coast of florida well surprise is a relative term right not a lot advance notice on it there was this thing going out in the Pacific Ocean where a couple of them were playing around, doing what we call a Fujiwara. I think that's how you pronounce it. I'm never sure if I get that right. And if I didn't, I'm sorry. But I think I got that right. Where two tropical cyclones kind of get in this game of interacting with one another. Now, the models had this kind of neat dance going on for a while, and it really is kind of a cool effect. But it didn't really play out. They kind of got close to each other, then went their own ways. So eh, not quite as exciting. And a new big storm in the Western North Pacific that could last uh, one of those ones that goes in the record books for, for longest lasting. So a lot of things going on, a lot of things going on in that world. Now more down to earth, more kind of non-weather. You guys know I had ordered some eclipse viewing glasses, right? Supposed to come from Amazon. Well, of course, Amazon lost said order. Now, you know, this is one of those things that sort of just drives me nuts. Thing says delivered, right? And then you start digging into it. And even the Amazon site, their FAQ says, can take up to 36 hours after something says delivered for it to actually be delivered. And that was the line I got, which is, Oh, it's probably, you know, still at those people. Sometimes they mark things delivered, you know, hadn't happened. You need to wait another business day. Well, of course, this was a Friday. So that meant waiting till Monday. And of course, it didn't show up by Monday. So in all fairness, they have refunded my money and, you know, were nice and extended my Amazon Prime membership by a month or whatever. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I needed that stuff. Now, the good news was I don't have to worry about whether those glasses are any good or not, right? So I did one of the things I suggested, you know, I, when we were talking about some of the different blo- kind of different ways and locations to go get your glasses, I went over to a local Lowe's, one in my neighborhood. I didn't even know was here. This thing was built kind of between when I moved away from Atlanta years ago and when I moved back here and it set off back off the road a little bit, not in the, you know, up the front, we've got a Mexican restaurant and a, I think there's still a Boston market there, a couple other things. But if you don't know this place is here, you don't really see it. My guess is when it was built, it had a little more vision, but some trees have grown up and other things. And I didn't know it was there. But I walked right in the front door, and there they were, right there. A couple bucks a pop, was able to pick up exactly how many I needed, go check out, be done with it. So that is an option to you if you have a Lowe's close by, and they will generally tell you if they've got them in the store or not. Just something to keep in mind instead of going and trying to figure everything out. I found it easy enough, right? So before we jump in the clips, the other thing, you won't know this. I'll either have saved this 
and everything will be fine. But I'm recording kind of out of the stream, and I did this last week too, and it's going to be a few weeks of that. A little chaotic things going on that have the recording time set off a little bit. And this is one of the reasons I don't tend to do a live show because it allows me a little flexibility. But if I sound like, you know, I'm, I'm at the end of the day instead of the beginning dates, because I am, plain and simple. But I've got some things going on the next couple of days that are requiring that I do that. And one of the other things, and this was, you know, time of year, schools are starting here. I, I couldn't imagine having gone to school in this kind of weather, summertime. But the school I went to growing up started this week july 31st crazy but i'm also getting ready for kickoff at the university here this fall where i'll be teaching another class so all those things are kind of coming together everything's spinning up just like i said a little chaotic but somehow i'll get through it all somehow i like these weather intertwined things right and again hopefully you had some good ones hopefully weather didn't turn your world on end or if it did it was because you wanted it to i was listening to another podcast where somebody was able to walk on a glacier and do whitewater rafting in the same day now they were in alaska that's kind of a cool combination though don't have a lot of places where the weather is just right to be able to do that that's for sure so i'd say that he had an enjoyable weather intertwined week but i digress i think it's time to get on to the main topic where we're finally going to answer the question, or are we? Can you now get your solar eclipse weather forecast? My short answer, no, you can't. Just not going to happen. If anybody's telling you they can give it to you, they're not telling you the truth. With all these things going on, we're going to talk a little bit about why. But just remember, it's not time yet. And this holds true for anybody. I don't care whether you're, you're planning for the U.S. eclipse or you're thinking about this around the globe and going to the future. The odds on you getting the forecast approximately three weeks in advance are not good. And I'll tell you when I start to pay attention and what my plans are. And there are exceptions to that rule, of course. There's some regions of the globe where if a solar eclipse was going to happen, there's a good chance you could know months in advance, depending on the setup. And let, let's talk about the why. And in general, why in the U.S. for this eclipse in particular, it's not really realistic at this point. When you think about weather, all right, when we think about a weather forecast, you get a forecast for a day or a couple days out, and it tells you a little bit about what's going on, what's coming up. But generally speaking, there's a lot more layers underneath that process. Now, some of these things are huge thousands of year things, like we're in an interglacial period, nice warm up of the earth, but over the last two point so many million years, the earth generally goes through this phases where we get these nice warm ups, then it cools off. And during the cool off phase, which lasts a lot longer, you go through these periods of, yeah, you get a little warmer, but generally speaking, it stays cold. And I mean a lot colder than it is now. And that has a drastic impact on the weather of the planet. But we're in this in-between period. So that sets the stage for part one. Then you start getting into other things. Now, a lot of these are planetary-based. Some of them, like sunspot behavior, we believe has an impact on the types of weather you experience. But other things are like ocean temperatures. And we have a few of them, like 
the Atlantic multi-decadal oscillation. I'm going to throw a bunch of terms out. Don't get hung up on these terms. Just know that this is something that can last a very long time. Multi-decadal, as the name implies, or the Pacific decadal oscillation. So those are known as the AMO and the PDO, if you want a short name. But what they tell us is, generally speaking, we have an environment that's either conducive or counter to certain things happening. So maybe we're set up for more warm temperatures than normal during a, a, a warm phase, you know, when the area is warmer than normal. We talked about this a little bit last week. We're looking for anomalies. With these things, we then go down from these larger decadal things, and then we get into, we have one called the QBO, the quasi-biennial oscillation. And, and again, some of these things, decades. Some of them, multiple years. And even like ENSO, people think about it as it's in a season, and we talked about that last week, about it's where it tends to reach its maximum magnitude. But generally speaking, if you think about the oscillation itself, it can be anywhere from a couple of years to multiple years because one complete oscillation is when it goes from a really strong to really negative. And sometimes we get muddled in the middle and it doesn't give us a clear signal. So even that could be multiple years. But when we look at forecasting weather, so we've got all these things going on behind the scenes, right? And these set up the stage. And I want you to think about these layers. And, and as we've talked about it, there's usually a positive and a negative phase. And I'm not going to get into trigonometry and waves and all that in too much detail, but most of us have seen ripples on the water. And then we see the wake of another Maybe a boat comes by where there was already some ripples. And sometimes those things cancel each other out, right? Sometimes they act against one another. Sometimes they magnify one another. So the peaks line up just right and things get really strong. Or maybe the interaction, again, is more muddled. It doesn't completely deconstruct, but they're not exactly in sync. So how all these things line up tells us a lot about what's going on. But what I will tell you, in short, this gets back to the why not yet in the U.S. This eclipse path is going over an area where year in, year out, this time of year, the month of August, there can be a lot of variability. One of the places it's going is the Pacific Northwest of the U.S., and a lot of people think, oh, the, the Pacific Northwest is well-regulated. You know, it, it's got that nice Pacific Ocean there. It tends to keep temperatures in a certain range. Well, in Portland, Oregon, right near the coast, they're talking about temperatures exceeding 105 degrees Fahrenheit in the upcoming week, the next few days, which would be an all-time warm record. So as you can imagine, given that, it's not as simple. So this region of the U.S. in general, there are parts that, that have a little more regulated behaviors typically this time of year. This swath that it's going to go across can have clear or cloudy. And that's all we really care about, right? With this eclipse, it's not about it's cloudy and rain. It's just about cloudy, right? So that's all we're trying to understand. And the reality is since none of these places are a glaring desert region that just doesn't get clouds on average hardly ever. It's set up to where any of these places could be clear or could be cloudy. 
So last time we, we talked about, like I said, a, a few of these things. I mentioned the Madden-Julian oscillation. And that's one of the key things. So we talked about ENSO and how it's kind of in this neutral phase. It's not real strong. So we look for another thing that might have a strong signal. And the next one in line was the Madden-Julian oscillation because it's a big regulator of weather kind of downstream, which the U.S. would be downstream of, of where it tends to do its primary behaviors. And the reality is there, nothing to really work with yet. So the Madden-Julian oscillation certainly not the only one, but if I look at all these patterns, this is the other thing. A lot of these patterns tend to be stronger in the wintertime. So here we are in the middle of summer. So we don't necessarily have something to give us great guidance. So end of day, it's really going to come down to the weather forecast that we're used to getting on a few days in advance. Now, now there is a flip side of this. I Back in the original episode we did on Eclipse, and I will put a link in the show notes either to that episode show notes or back here again, where you can go and get maps and make wise decisions, right? Based on historic behavior about maybe where your spot A and spot B is. But if we really get down to the weather forecast itself and you really wanted to analyze things, right? And, and this, is, this is also what's weird. So where I am, we could get a tropical cyclone. And it could throw everything out the window because of its track and what it does. So if I'm thinking about going to the coast, even if it didn't make landfall, it gets close enough to where this isolated event, this behaving in its own little world, throws enough clouds inland that it completely messes everything up. So it, it can be all those sort of things. But if you wanted to take these phases whether it's the MJO or ENSO or whatever it is, and you wanted to pick your specific spot, you could, in contrast to those original maps where we talked about the climates and what might be expected in, in different places across the country, you might be able to go and say, all right, I want to do some analysis. And you actually really could. You really could. And if any of you are really interested in doing that, let me know, and I can at least point you to where you could get the data. But more or less, you would basically say, okay, take all the Augusts for the past, I don't know, 30 years. And for all those past 30 years, and, and you really should go longer, let's say the last 100 years. So you got 100 times 31 days. Yeah, you got, you know, 3,000 some odd data points because it's reasonable. You'd actually probably pick the 21st of August and say, give me two weeks on either side. So give me all those days, and I want a percentage of cloud cover on any of those days. Now, I want to cross-reference that against all these things, what the phase of the ENSO is, what the phase of the MJO is, if I have it, or any of these other patterns. And you could, in theory, go and say, okay, now I have a new climatology, and I want to match it to where we are today. So I see that this oscillation is here, and this one is here, and I want to do something close to that. But the challenge might be, even after you do all that, that the variance isn't enough to give you that information. So while you could calculate it yourself, and you can keep it pretty simple if you're looking at a point or two points, I mean, that, that's the reality of what you would be doing. Makes it a little simpler math. Something you could do in Excel spreadsheet. But it may not be a good use of your time. And, and here's why that comes to be. This eclipse is going to be Two minutes and 41 seconds for the full eclipse at the 
strongest point that it's going to happen, but let's say about two and a half minutes generally. We talked about this the first episode we did on the eclipse. And the partial is going to last on the order of 90 minutes. Again, depends where you are. So when you look at all that, but let's say what matters is that 2 minutes 41 seconds. All it takes one cloud because you're not going to be able to pick up and move your stuff. So if the cloud comes through, then it really doesn't matter. And that's where I get back to don't get hung up in your planning on what if it doesn't happen. You know, you got to be planned and say, okay, it may not work out. And it, so enjoy the experience. Even if you're chasing the eclipse, enjoy the experience and hope for the best. Because you could do all this evaluation, and if there's, let's say, that the normal for your area based on those other maps is 30%, and all of a sudden you got it down to 20 or it went up to 40, it might help you narrow down things a little bit, but more than likely it's just going to keep you in that same range. So unless you saw something where it went from normally there's clouds to very seldom there is, it might be telling, but I just don't think you're likely going to find that. Because what we find with these things that tend to be in a little longer time scales is they tend to tell us, like I said, a base from which to work from. So it might give us a hill or a valley as opposed to a mountain or an abyss, right? In terms of what we're working with and looking forward what the weather might be like. It sets a, a, a range, a set of viable options, but it's not going to give you the detail. We tend to be able to tell temperature forecast in certain circumstances, days, weeks in advance, let's say, even on a seasonal of above or below normal, but specific values. And we talked about this with the, the verification I did with those seasonal forecasts this winter, which were horrible, right? And it's just proof that it doesn't always work out. Sometimes it can give you a very good indication, but there's a lot more to it than just it, a number showing up on a website like cloudy or clear. And it all comes back to the same fundamental idea, which is two minutes and 30 seconds. One cloud's all that takes, right? One slow moving cloud. So you really are going to want to get to where things are closer. So what am I going to do? You say, okay, Mark, we can't get the forecast yet. You're telling me it's a waste of my time. I didn't exactly, not a waste. It's good to know. Like I said, those climatology maps understand in your planning. But when you're looking for that weather forecast, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. The week before, I'm going to start looking at the forecast from the different models. And I'll put up a couple sites where you can go and even do that. And really what I'm trying to do is I want cloud cover. But some of them don't easily give you cloud cover, but they may give you an idea of where fronts are going to be, you know, what kind of weather might be blowing through. Or are you going to get this big area of high pressure? A lot of times this time of year, that's what we're experiencing in Atlanta. Again, this year, completely not. So I'm already having to rethink what I might have thought about my plans. So a week before, I'm looking at it. And... One thing you want to keep in mind, if you're not used to looking at these models, we tend in the meteorology world to use things called Z-time or UTC-time. Some people know it as Greenwich Mean Time, but, but essentially it allows us to think at the same thing all over the world. So 18Z is the number you want to think about. For the most part, 
where this eclipse is going to go is going to be around that 18Z number, a little bit before, depending on where you are, a little bit after. But because models tend to give you outputs, not, keep in mind, some of them give you more frequent, like hourly forecasts, but most of them think six hour increments. Some get down to three, and as you get closer in, they get down to three. But still, most of it is around this 18Z. So think 18Z. And then what do you start doing? You start looking for consistency. How much did the model yesterday, or the forecast yesterday, even if you're looking at regular weather forecast, how much did it change between what they were saying yesterday and what they were saying today? I'll put a link also in the National Weather Service has a great thing where you can look hour by hour and some of the other products do too, but they even show cloud cover forecast, not saying whether it's the most accurate or not. Like I said, I'll put a couple in there where you can go and look at that level of detail where you can get into the hour by hour information, but take a snapshot for the day at hand. Just, you know, grab a picture. All of our computers and, and mobile devices can do a snapshot. And so for that week to, let's say down to three days out, take some snapshots and see if there's any consistency because that'll really help. If you're getting a consistent picture, that at least helps you start going, okay, A might be off the table or A and B both look good, but you're looking for consistency. Then as you get to that weekend, Friday night maybe, Saturday morning, start looking more often. Start getting those forecasts and comparing them a couple times a day. And look for changes in the model. But most of the sites that put up these maps will give you that. But even if you look at the National Weather Service or wherever it is, you could usually see if there's been a change. And there's always a little bit of a change. And start looking for consistency there and the details. Are they calling for clouds? What are they talking? Look at a weather map. What is it showing about where a front might be passing through? Or where there's a big H on the map? Big H's are probably a good thing if you're... <laughs> looking to enjoy the eclipse else not so much not so much but start paying attention to whatever your sources are and what they're showing you and again every model's a little different so understand even a couple days out that the ones that get down to an hour at a time they they tend to only do a day they don't tend to look much further out than that and that may be too late for your planning you might get one of those the night before when you're making a final call but again, one week out, consistency. Three to four days, start looking at the specific forecast, still keeping an eye on that consistency because how the timing of when clouds are coming or frontal passage or whatever it might be is happening. You're looking to say, hey, is it seemingly the real, is it slower, is it faster, whatever it might be. So those are some general guidelines I would tell you to keep in mind. But again, be prepared for what if neither A nor B are good. You know, is it worth, if you're planning to drive a long way, is it worth making that drive or, or, you know, find somebody with a nice view online and go with that. Not going to give you any specific forecast because that's crazy. It's not what we do here, but I, I, hopefully you've now got a mindset a little bit about this whole thing. People are talking about it. I mean, this is huge. <laughs> the solar glasses, you know, we did this thing last week. And like I said, I'd had all this stuff with Amazon and Lowe's, but I can't turn on the, uh, 
device, any device, mobile, pull up a browser on the desktop, whatever it might be, without there being a story this week about getting your safe glasses. So it's all out there. Hopefully, wherever you're getting your source for weather information, they're talking to you about it a lot. But hopefully, they're also quantifying it correctly that, you know, it's way too early to call. Whatever happens, I hope those of you that are chasing this eclipse, either this one or ones in the future, that it turns out to be a positive experience. But hopefully, you've also now understand that for most places, most places around the globe, understanding where a cloud's going to be, it may you may not know until moments before it happens, right? I mean, you, you've looked up at the sky. Just be realistic. And try to enjoy the experience of the chase, if you will, as opposed to whether you finally see it or not. Do it with somebody. Have some fun. Make it an enjoyable adventure. Okay. Enough of babbling. I'm going to wrap up here. couple of interesting things, Eclipse-related, that I'll pass along. One, I, I'm going to put an article, a link in the show notes to an article in the Washington Post that was about chasing eclipses and why this person thinks it's worth it. And it is a one-in-a-lifetime experience for most people. You know, I, I'll throw in that caveat that a lot of times in chasing, you you get disappointed. So just don't over-promise yourself or whoever you're with. But a neat article about why the chase is at least worth it. I mean, it's going to be for me. I'm going to chase it. No, I hope I'm going to chase it. I'm going to have to lecture the next morning at 8 o'clock in the morning. Oi, maybe I won't chase it. No, I'm going to chase it. The other thing that's interesting, I want you to kind of, a little mind game for you. Realize that the eclipse is going to be traveling from west to east. And you're going, oh, that's not logical. The moon moves from east to west. Does it? Does it really? Well, actually, if you think about the moon, when we look at it every night, keep in mind that Earth's spinning around. But the moon does move as well. And like the Earth, it is anticyclonic or anticlockwise, whatever you want to call it. But the way the moon moves relative to the Earth between the sun means that as it moves, the shadowing will actually be moving from the West Coast to the East Coast. There's some animations online. I don't want to give it all away. That's a thought exercise. Think about it. But it's kind of a neat, interesting tidbit. We're used to the moon moving in a certain way, but it won't be. Well, it will be, but the eclipse will be moving in another way that we wouldn't necessarily anticipate. So just keep that in mind. All right. You know the drill. You know how to get hold of me. What is it about the weather at gmail.com or what is it about the weather.com slash contact. Either way, it's great. Now, why would you want to get hold of me? Well, I can think of a bazillion reasons. But it all stems back to our support theory, RSVP, right? Rate, share, validate, and pledge. So if you want to share, you can share with me. Well, you don't need to share the episode, but really it's that validate piece, right? Thoughts, ideas, feedback, whatever it is, feel free to reach out for the other components. You know how to take care of it by now. And if not, I'll cover it sometime in the future. However, you're supporting the podcast. 
it's greatly appreciated. And keep it up so that we can keep on talking. But none of that really compares to the grand thinking, right, that we sign off with every week about how important it is to take weather, this thing that happens around us every single day, right? It's always going on. Sometimes wet, sometimes dry, sometimes hot, sometimes cold. Of course, all that depends where you are. But that all translates into things that happen to us every single day that have nothing to do with the weather itself. So what do we say? To remember, there's much more to weather than the weather itself. We're tired of hearing our uncle grovel, so please support him on patreon.com slash weather.